All right, here we go. Rants with Justin and Joe. Joe. 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 Welcome to Rants with Justin and Joe. These are going to be like the blooper tanks. Great. We'll have bloopers and we can sell them for CU somehow, uh, somewhat. Uh, so today we are have three guests, uh, Steve, Sharon, and Daniel, who we are very excited to be on uh, this podcast with us. Uh, last we all saw them was either January or February of 2020. Uh, we were all uh, with uh, Rhino and uh in uh, Sarah Trotman and trying and shooting uh, different things for uh, their their production stuff and Joe was amazing us with his magic tricks and uh, playing ping pong and enjoying each other's company live and we haven't seen each other live uh, for quite some time so it's great having yeah I can't believe that was well over a year ago um, you know and and to be able to to see the on location with Pat was just re- was really cool and then to meet you guys. Um, we, we were talking about that last night, just you know, how time flies. And yeah, in-person conference was, was it now? Was it, was it this time last year? Um, yeah, just, just so much that has happened, obviously, within the last 11 months. So yeah, almost. Because, because, we, um, because we haven't seen you guys, and more importantly, because the topic is so important, uh, we're glad to have you guys on. I will let you guys introduce yourselves in a minute. But now Joe gets to go through the boring logistics. Yeah, I I get to cover all the boring stuff. So uh, if you are catching this live and you want to ask a question, because this is driven by your questions, uh, it helps drive the conversation forward and inform the discussion, please use the Q&A option. Uh, In the Q&A, you can ask questions anonymously or throw your name on it. Uh, There's some questions already in there. We'll try to make sure we address as many as we can or all, depending on how long everyone wants to stick around. Uh, You can also ask questions using the chat box, but uh, sometimes it gets tough to see the questions that are in there. So if you wanna make sure your question gets addressed, please use the Q&A. If you're listening to this via podcast, well, you can't ask any questions because you didn't catch it live. Uh, Sign up and try to catch us live sometime. uh, And uh, you can ask the panelists questions. Uh, for anybody who's listening live or not, if you want CEUs for this rant, you can purchase or download your certificate at www.autismpartnershipfoundation.org forward slash podcast. Uh, just add it to your cart and uh, use the opening and closing words that you have to make sure you keep track of to get your CEUs. For those that are catching this live, I'll go ahead and put that in the chat box for you. Today's opening word is going to be developing, developing. I think that's all the logistics. That's the boring stuff. Well, let's get to the meat. Great. So why don't the three of you guys just introduce yourself for the live studio audience and the audience that will hear you via podcast? Uh, because we know you, but that they probably need to know you a little better. And then we'll get right to the questions and the discussion. Hi, right, Daniel. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Daniel Mendoza. I'm a behavior analyst. I've been practicing ABA for about 22 years now. I've been in the field. 
um, my, in, my main interests are developing and mentoring others in the field. Um, I am the clinical director for a program in, based out of South Los Angeles, Special Needs Network. I've been with the organization for 11 years right now, uh, about now. Um, and I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to mentor people and help support anyone that, uh, whose values and goals lie along the same line. Great. Is that a drum machine behind you? It's a drum machine. It's, it's, uh, it's also like a mixing machine. It's this thing called the Roadcaster. It's uh, like a portable uh, podcast machine. All right. Well, next theme we do. We're, I know who I'm reaching out to. Hey. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked because I wanted to ask earlier. So. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the theme song. However. <laughs> no, we'll just go for a remix. I guess I, I copyright that so I get some money for remixes. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll, I'll go next. I am Sharon True. I am a BCBA out in Kentucky, good old Kentucky, Louisville. Um, I have, I've been a BCBA for about seven years now, um, but have been in the field for about 10-ish. Um, I am currently, so I am the executive program director of a company called Clinical Behavior Analysis. We go by CBA for short. Um, oversee, we, we provide uh, center-based services as well as community-based services. So a lot of funding, state Medicaid waivers, commercial insurance, you know, just kind of a, a variety of the funding sources, a variety of locations, and a variety of providers. So we were a, a good mix of a lot of opportunity and, uh, and things there. So I helped oversee that. Uh, Steve Foreman, uh, Behavior Analyst in the Behavior Analyst Center about 15 years. Uh, also in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, do a multitude of different things uh, with CBA with Sharon. I'm the executive business director. I also provide uh, behavior analytic service oversight at a clinic in Louisville called the Lee Specialty Clinic, and then uh, some business consultant to a company called Prosper. So lots of different stuff that I enjoy doing. If I'm not busy and it's not 24-7 for me, then I, I don't even know what look, I don't even know what sitting still looks like. So uh, look forward to, to hearing from everybody. And uh, I want to encourage, because it talks on mentorship and leadership, I'm sure that the people that are, that are listening to it now and then as a podcast, like, put what you're doing in the chat. Let's save this. Let's make sure we get it out to people because, you know, I know some really good people are doing some really great things and want to be able to get that out uh, to everyone as possible. So thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having, th thanks for all three of you being here and thanks for those introductions. I know we know you, but it's nice for everyone else to get to know you that's listening. Um, and so I guess we'll, we'll kick things off. Remember, if you wanna ask any questions or throw in what you do and, and how mentorship or what mentorship means to you in the Q and A, uh, please do. We'll use that to inform the discussion. But on that, I think let's just open it up maybe broad uh, to what does mentorship mean or look like to you um, within the organizations you're affiliated with? Because I think mentorship might mean something to everybody who's listening. So I think it might be valuable for us all to hear what, if, if there's any parallels between mentorship and what it means to each of you, uh, or if there's any differences and what that looks like. Yeah, that's a good way to start off. I, we, we talk about mentorship and in, in this in regard to, to leadership and, and how they intertwine. And more importantly, how we go about 
um, having our folks within the organization now, you have mentorship within what we do, but we also expand that. We also have people that don't just work for us that we are trying to mentor along. And, you know, ultimately when it comes to mentorship and, you know, we'll get into this, the, the theme that we all share already is in regard to just listening and being able to push the ability to give feedback and be able to reflect and more important, uh, be able to take anything that one, someone that we might call a mentee uh, brings to us and help them work through it. And again, not in a, not always a supervisory role, uh, but in a, how can we help you work through your, whatever it is you're bringing, no matter the topic. And, and that's really important to all of us. I agree with what, uh, what Steve's saying. And um, within, our, within our organization, how we term mentorship is the opportunity to help somebody else kind of rise up to, to a different level, given that some of us have more experience or have been uh, in the field for a longer time. It's an opportunity for us to help those individuals that don't necessarily have the same level of experience to be able to rise up with the goal of overall, specifically within this type of service is as a result of mentoring others, um, you're able to impact uh, larger populations. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I, I'm only one person personally, you know, each one of us here is only one person. However, if each one of us um, can impact three people and those three people can impact three more people and those three people can impact you know, three more people, then essentially what ends up happening is you have exponential growth with regard to the amount of people that you're impacting. So it, it means that and like I said, transfer of information um, of knowledge and, and practice um, within our field and impact. So um, as a result of mentoring others, then you're able to make a difference in the, like a bigger population. And given the state of affairs within ABA in the industry in general, there's more children and more individuals that, that need services, then you're, to a certain degree, you're able to try to catch up as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I would, I would kind of piggyback on that and agree that it is, it's an opportunity to go into a, a larger umbrella, um, being able to have this, the impact that we all have a passion for, um, but growing that scale and helping to guide and lead, coach, model, you know, all those things for, for other people. Because um, I know we, we all started somewhere one day and um, need, I think having somebody to connect with, to do, to take the journey with, and, and to listen to or talk with or vent or brainstorm, whatever that may be, um, and definitely doing all of that together. So I, I would agree it's an opportunity to have a, a larger skill impact with the skills that you bring to the table. And I think back to you know, my first mentor, I, fortunately I sat down with, with Ryan O'Donnell last year and talked a bit about it. You know, my first mentor and continued mentor, someone is, has been my dad. And I say that because he's been someone to help guide me along incredible journeys. Um, I have failed multiple times and didn't always get the I told you so's, but get the, but you know, what can we do to, to make things better? And how can 
you make a better impact and just everything that I've been able to reach out to and have that, that listening ear and really just to learn from a lot of the, the modeling that I, was, that I saw growing up and then of course continued on. So you know, when we talk about the, the mentorship piece, it's not just what you're receiving now. You know, if you're new to the field or been doing it forever, it's going back and looking at the people that have had such an impact in your life and most of us are where we are going in the direction we are or anyone that's successful behind them is someone that helps mentor them along, help be their biggest cheerleader, help get them the, the, the tools that they need. And again, sometimes that's just, that's just listening. Uh, but it really is something that, you know, we look at trying to be, we, when we, we try to make sure that we're just instilling that in the people that, uh, we we look to mentor and then you know again not just in a supervisory role of you know here's the company values and mission and objectives it's what's your passion uh, and Sharon's probably going to laugh but you know uh, at uh, at CBA when I sit down with people and I ask them what their passion is I have a whole speech people can mock my the way I the way I uh, I sit back it's either you know, leaning back or put my hands on my head and just but really just sit down comfortably and ask people what their passions are. And if we can get them to that, and if we, if we can't, finding someone that can or finding a way to make that happen, pushing them in a direction that, you know, they might end up reaching out and we encourage reaching out outside of the things that we do and really just getting an opportunity to hear from others and learn from others' experience and to just listen, process, and, you know, go in a direction that you, that you want to because as, even as a mentee, your success is your success and you're the one that builds that and makes that happen. And it's really important to make sure that we uh, continue to foster that type of relationship. There's a lot of good stuff that the three of you have already uh, hit upon in the first 10 minutes of this. I, I, as, as you guys were talking, I was wondering, and I, Daniel kind of alluded to this, um, clearly there's been a growth in our field in the last 10 years, five years, three years, and probably a year, we see more people entering it. We see a wider scope, or not scope, I guess wider reach of people um, who are entering it. I wonder if there's new challenges you guys have seen with this growth and how you guys are working with those challenges as the brilliant mentors and leaders that you are. Yeah, I think uh, th there is tremendous growth. Um, what I have noticed is just even on social media, the type of questions that people are asking, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, social media, what I perceive to be social media influencers that are also within APA. Um, I watch with, you know, with a, with a mindful eye. Um, and, and there are also a lot of young individuals coming into the field or younger individuals um, that are, I don't know what the generation, I think it's a generation Z, I think the generation Z they're called after millennials. Um, I think, so me, while I watch things with a mindful eye, what I also do on a regular and day-to-day basis is um, continually look to connect with people. Um, find a method of connection. What is important to this individual? What do they like to do? Um, what, where can I find common ground? What can I, how can I be a student of what this person really likes? And, and, and as a result, connect with them and develop a good solid relationship with them so that they understand that um, I am really interested in, in, in what they like. 
Uh, me in particular, I work in South LA. I work with a lot of Latin American, uh, brown and black individuals that are, that are being mentored. So, you know, during the last meeting, one of the things that we did, um, we had like a this or that. I don't know if you guys have seen like the this or that, right, um, kind of questions. So we did a this or that. We did like Kendrick Lamar versus like J. Cole. We did like a Bad Bunny versus like Drake, you know, and it was funny. It got people like amped up and it was a way to connect, you know. I mean, for me, it was easy in that situation just because I kind of like all of these artists, right? But I'm also, I also stay relatively as connected as possible um, to people. Um, and I think if the approach with the, ex with the expansion within the field is let me get to know the people, that are um, that are coming into the field, I think that's uh, that's a very healthy way to 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 work with them. Essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of funny that you asked that. We had a similar conversation in a, a meeting this morning um, about a very similar topic. Um, I would say one of the challenges is keeping up. You know, like I mean, I, I'm. I'm not too far off of that cusp of like the new people coming in. Right. But even I look at it and, you know, keeping up with the supervision demands, keeping up with the mentoring demands, like the leadership demands of there's just so many people coming in and not a lot of, not I mean, a lot of places, but you know, you kind of, you, you have a number of places for a lot of new people coming into the field. Right. And so trying to keep up and trying to provide those same quality um, experiences that you guys have had, I've had, you know, that, that brought us to where we are. Um, and so I, I would say like that, that's the biggest challenge, but making, or one of the challenges I see, but making sure that what you're still providing quality to those people who need it and still have that same standard of what, what you're providing to each person, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, in addition to connecting and things as well. Well, and then I think going from there, you're right. There's a lot of newer, newer people to the field. There's a lot of, you know, uh, things that, that we can learn from. So when it comes to the, the mentor-mentee relationship, it definitely goes both ways. And it's something that you get as much as being a mentor from your mentees. You might learn something new uh, from, from them or learn what is being taught in coursework these days. I mean, again, it's just that, that, that give and take relationship. And, you know, that's not a, it's not a new concept, you know, I, the re reverse mentoring that uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, the, the former CEO of, uh, I think GM maybe it doesn't, either way, talk about reverse mentoring. He talked about how uh, in, in 1999, where people would, um, higher up CEOs and leaders, they would pair them with, you know, the junior executives and in that mentoring, and they would teach them the internet. They would teach them what's going on and then, and in turn teach them the business from the mentor thing. So there's always that learning piece that, that goes on, on both ways. And so being able to put that energy in as much as you're getting, as much as you're also getting out, it's just also vitally important as you're, mentees are choosing you and, and as, you know, as, as mentors looking up to your mentors as well and being able to, you know, get what you want and, and, and give also. 
I think that's a great point about reciprocity and really a behavior analytic perspective too. Like shaping is a two-way street uh, when your behavior is being shaped when you're shaping someone else's behavior. So to ignore that, I think, would be just a, a huge detriment to your mentorship. I think it's also a wonderful point that the number of people coming into the field is ever increasing and the number of opportunities for mentorship aren't necessarily, they aren't necessarily matching there. Uh, and I think that goes in with one of the questions that were asked. How do you search out good mentorship if it's unavailable to you in your setting? Uh, there's another part of that question that I think we could, should take afterwards. Um, but uh, so uh, to reiterate, how do you search out good mentorship if it's unavailable to you in your setting? You have any suggestions? Where we want to start, you know, it's, <laughs> when you're, I used to say, you know, when you go to conferences and you see people that you really like and, you know, to just go ahead and, you know, email them and set up a meeting or just go up and talk to them. Um, and it's, it's still obviously a great way to do it. And, and, you know, what's that, what's that word you use? Conference? Go, go, what? What was that? It's like, it's like the grocery store, but instead of pickup, you actually, you go in you, and you have to talk to people. Huh. Do, we, do we honestly have to say back in my day? <laughs> <laughs> Are we there already? I feel Not like another it. year of this, so we might. <laughs> well, I, I, side note, I was just, I'm really excited to be able to talk on a, on a Zoom without wearing a mask. Um, you know, I did have to trim the beard, but, you know, I was really excited. But so go, so going back to it is I, right now programs are online and that's brick and mortar programs are online and, you know, online programs are online. So, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, looking at your, your direct, your direct supervisor or one of their professors, and that's a great place to start. Uh, but, you know, looking around and finding like-minded people that were, a young enough field to where when you look at research or articles that are assigned to you that a lot of those people are still around and you can literally reach out to them all the time and say, Hey, I really like when you said this, can I talk to you more about that? Uh, going back to, you know, the looking at things on social media and if you, if you like what somebody has and, and you feel initially, because again, you know, I'm talking about that their values match up with, with your values that you want to see yourself where they are. And so it's okay to, to reach out. And again, direct message, email, whatever the case may be. And, and, and understand that whether you're brand new or you've been doing this forever, you know, we talk about like imposter syndrome, thinking you're not good enough. You're, you're good enough because people want, mentors have been around for a long time. They want feedback on on how how things um you know how how their advice how their uh you know advice went for it and then same thing going to social media there's uh there's there's groups that are specifically for and they sign up for like um supervision and mentorship um there's you know obviously like do better collective mindful behavior these people are really putting it out there to uh want to connect with like-minded professionals and that's really important. And then once you get that relationship, then, you know, you can call, uh, you can, you can establish that and you they know that there's that give back and you can call like Bob Ross on speed dial and, you know, answer and really just get some feedback or, you know, whomever that you, that you really look up to and respect the things that they say and they do. Um, but you know, seeking it out and, and just asking one question, just start there. 
Uh, I just want to correct you, Steve. You might be able to get Bob Ross on Speed Dial, but you never know where in the world he's going to be. So you might not get a response from him uh, since he's consulting and mentoring uh, quite often these days. Then I'll call him. Or what time of day? Yeah, you, you just never know. Yeah, then I'll call Sharon. So, you know, she'll answer the question. Anyone have anything to add to that? I mean, yeah, the same, the same thing. I think it's networking. I think we're the age of social media and information where there's so many outlets where you can connect with people and um, just finding people, connecting with them, um, follow them for a long enough timeline to make sure that they have a good uh, history of, of behavior that they're exhibiting even on social media. And, you know, if that's the type of person, that's the type of brand that you want to connect with that you feel is going to suit you, then you can then connect with them and approach it from a perspective of a job interview in the sense that this person is going to do some work for you. You would, if I was seeking mentorship, I would ask for a resume or a CV. I would figure out what that person's experience Experiences uh, are like, and if those experiences align with the things that I want to learn, you know, maybe um, I contact a person that is a specialist in adult services. However, I want to do early intervention (APA). Um, you know, our 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 experiences may not necessarily align, or, or our goals may not necessarily align, and as a result, it's not necessarily going to be a good experience for me. Um, so really knowing what you want and then at the same time, you know, connecting with a lot of people and a lot of people from my experience in the ABA world are very uh, well-intentioned with regard to connecting. And I think it's, it's healthy. So that'd be my, my advice, connect and reach out and interview. And I would add, um, I don't know, I, I might be the, I, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I might be the person at this table that, um, you say network and I kind of want to break out in hives of uh, just like, Ugh, huh, how do you do that? What are, what are those skills I need? How do I go about that? I'm definitely an extrovert, but that it sounds like an overwhelming word to me. And it, it definitely did when I was very early in my career. Um, I believe in it. And I think that that's exactly how you connect yourself with people, especially people that like align in your values and your goals for your career. But I can also say that that doesn't have to be as scary as it sounds. Um, like at conferences, trying to not always sit in the very back row. Simple. You know, at conferences, just go up and join, like join conversation with people, open yourself up to opportunities, because that's how you start talking. And that's how you start to meet people. And then this person leads you to that person who leads you to that person, you know, so um, opening yourself up to experiences where you can meet new people, um, you can start talking to them about their work, um, whether it's research or whether it is um, practitioner uh, related, you know, direct work related. But I would very much agree, look at their resume and ask to ask to hear their history and ask to see what is it that they're doing that lines up with what you want to do? And even if you don't know what you want to do right now, uh, at least does that direction sound like a direction you're willing to go? Um, Cause there's, we've all had good ones. We've all had not so good ones. And so making sure that you're lining up because you're setting up your career for the, for the future. And yeah, let me I, just add, well, let me just add one last thing to that is your mentor doesn't have to be in this field. I really want to reiterate that is, you know, uh, a, a mentor can be anyone outside of what it is that we do. Uh, and that can be someone that can guide you through many different 
situations. And I'll also, and then the final thing I'll say about that is you don't have to just have one mentor. Um, you can have multiple people you reach out to for, as, as Daniel and Sharon mentioned, you know, based on what they do and what they've done, being able to get that true uh, feedback on what you're looking to accomplish. And to that note, you don't necessarily have to have two mentors that always agree. And sometimes having two mentors that disagree and can show how professional discourse can happen through disagreements, it can be a great learning opportunity. I think I learned a lot from that at my experience at UNT. And I know that we're in the age of social media, but there's a lot of men people that would might be open to mentorship that aren't necessarily active on social media. So uh, I think emailing people is also a great way to approach that. And if you're interested in like research mentorship, searching authors and most of the time the in the manuscript there is a corresponding author email and you can find their information reach out to them in that way speaking from a researcher standpoint if you reach out to me about something that i publish it makes my day absolutely because then i'm like oh someone actually reads this uh, so i i think uh, people will probably be more open than you think if you take that approach uh, adding to that, I think there's two things that came uh, from me I, with uh, Sharon's comment of networking. I've also found it good just to find a buddy if you're not liking to do it. So like if you go and hang out with Steve Foreman or you go and hang out with Bob Ross at conferences, you're going to meet a ton of people uh, just naturally. So just hanging around the people who like doing it uh, has been effective for those who, you know, might not enjoy the networking process. I've had a, a couple of students who don't like it or always intimidated by meeting someone like Pat Fryman or Bill Hewitt or, or, or Linda LeBlanc. And so I, I think that helps. Uh, and then the more important thing that you guys to me said, uh, which I loved, and it will tie into the, the second part of that, that question, is the resume and the CV and the experience. And, and I love that you're pushing that and not the certification because the certification is just the minimal standards and you don't know the experience that they've had uh, re in reality. So looking at your their resume, looking at their CV, what their experiences are, who they've mentored, who they've, uh, who's been their mentee, what their style is, if they've done publications, what clinical work they've done. I think that's so important. And it goes into the question of what are characteristics of good mentors that young clinicians should look for? So what, what should people be looking for out there? Well, I think that, you know, I think we could all dive into, and, and I know we'll probably put this in the discussion of um, all diving into the technicality components and the science and those things. But um, I, I would start with somebody who uh, last night I couldn't get my words together. All I could stick with was the practice which you preach, get in the trenches, do it. And then Daniel was like, that's called modeling. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, they've taught me that before. Um, so somebody who models, you know, models what they're teaching, models what they're expecting, um, isn't sitting from the sidelines and saying, well, do this. I've never done it before, but you, you should, this is the path you should go or the skill you should engage in or whatever it may be. So one for me has always been um, kind of is your, are, are you are you saying what you're doing and are you doing what you're saying? Um, so I, I'm big on somebody who's active in it, doing the work and, and showing that to you, um, whether that is 
again, the science or whether that is a late night or answering a call when maybe I'm off hours or, you know, something like that, where it's, I'm, I'm here, I'm in support and I'm with you. Yeah, I would add to that also, I think, uh, to Sharon's point, she mentioned that I, the science is, and, and to Justin's point, the science, the certification, those are all givens. Those are, those are the minimal, right? Like we all understand a certain amount of things um, with regard to application of ABA. And added to that, um, which you can see in people's daily conversations, how they interact, um, how they report, you know, issues that are going on with other people or just, you know, um, feedback that you might hear about them is empathy. How, how concerned is that possible mentor about others' feelings, emotions, kind of, uh, and that's very mentalistic to say, right? Um, and my apologies for taking the conversation in that direction. But even then that, you know, I want to say that without like sitting here and operationalize it, right? Because I could sit and operationalize what empathy looks like. So, you know, but we all have some level of idea of what empathy should look like. And so what I'm saying is that someone that exhibits behaviors that are related to empathy, that are worried about other people's emotional state, because when you're going into a mentorship relationship, you're kind of, and you're the mentee, you're to a certain degree succumbing to that person's guidance and that leadership. And you're going to be in very uncomfortable situations where you are going to need feedback and you are going to have to try to figure out how to, you know, implement a certain procedure. And that in itself, through understanding the principles of science, maybe like an FA or an FBA or whatever you're engaging in, or, you know, some level of discrete trial training, can, which can be very, you know, detailed and very uh, complicated, um, you know, that's going to be complicated enough. That's going to take issue enough. That's going to make you uncomfortable enough. You don't want an added layer of someone kind of speaking to you with certain like undertones or overtones that essentially are going to put you in an emotional state where you're going to be maybe a little stressed. And then as a result, not necessarily be able to um, engage in the appropriate behaviors while like you're, you know, you know, running an FBA or running some sort of like trials or whatever the case might be. So um, I think that's very important to make sure that people feel comfortable. And if I'm a mentee, I want to make sure that my mentor understands that so that I can, uh, or, or they exhibit that so that when I'm in those uncomfortable positions, I can be successful, essentially. I think knowing your goals, knowing your goals of what you want to accomplish when you go into that relationship is really important in discussing those goals. And that's kind of where you start. You build, you build that rapport. Um, you, you build that you know, almost, almost friendship in knowing those goals. And then I think both of you said it and we can repeat it, knowing how to accept feedback and how to give feedback. I think that because your mentor is going to shoot it to you straight, your, your supervisor of the company hopefully should, but also, you know, they they might be following certain company lines, but your mentor is going to shoot it to you straight, be honest with you. And if, if not, they shouldn't be your mentor. Uh, but really, they're going to be able to be the ones to, again, help give appropriate counsel to it. It might not always be what you want to hear. Uh, and that's good. That's why you reach out to someone. But yeah, absolutely. To your point is being able to, to do that. And you talked about, you know, providing that feedback. And sometimes you, prov you provide that feedback, you need to provide it six times. And you know that, and you've provided it three times, not, you find it three times, not, and then just don't think, I can't believe I just don't get it. Know that you have three more times to explain it because you really want to make sure that you're, you're getting what you need and that you're advocating for whatever the counsel that you're given. So, 
absolutely, guys. I would even throw on just like what you said, Steve, and then kind of going back to what you said, Joe, uh, um, don't, I, I would not search for a yes person. You know, I would search for somebody who challenges me, um, who definitely cheers me on um, and who definitely reinforces and supports. But at the same time, uh, you, you know, some of those soft skills or, or alternative skills to the job is learning how to professionally disagree, learning how to say, I understand that's how you do it. Here's how I would like to do it. We're all following the science. Maybe we organize it a little different or, or whatever that may be. So um, not finding a yes person, but finding somebody who professionally and appropriately challenges you in what you are doing uh, is definitely a key, key point or characteristic. Oh, and I would say to that point, no, what I would look for in a mentor is knowing their limits. So a, a mentor that knows where their, their competencies end and when it's appropriate to reach out to someone else or refer their mentee out to someone else uh, that might be able to provide more support or is more acknowledgeable in that area. Uh, because I, I might not be able to provide any usable information for you if you want to go and work with adults with a specific type of um, mental health challenge, uh, I would have to refer you out to that. And me trying to mentor you in that area would just be doing you a disservice. So that's definitely something that I would look for in a mentor is, uh, do you know your limits? And what happens when you reach those limits? Can you help me out um, when you reach those? And I think with what you guys are saying, uh, you know, from my perspective, it's also looking at a person who is a good job at a shaper so that they can shape your uh, behavioral over time, not just giving you the answer, but letting you figure out the answer and reinforcing that, but also someone who's a good prompter and sometimes has to be prescriptive because there's times as a mentor, you have to go in there and tell them what they need and, and, and just be there and say it directly. And there's times that you're wanting them to get the answer uh, for themselves. And so a mentor is uh, able to understand and know and go back and forth between shaping you and telling you and shaping you and telling you, depending on a lot of variables that are occurring in, in your life. And then, and then the other thing, I mean, thinking about my mentors, I don't know how you guys all feel about this, but it, it went beyond, and, and Steve, I think you mentioned your father, it went beyond just ABA. I mean, I remember Jim Sherman, a lot of the mentorship was more on life than on research design or or what was going on in ABA. It was taking those lessons and making them bigger so that you had balance and you had an overall good quality of life and were a good human being. Right, and Mikey would tell you I'm big on like quotes or stories. Um, sometimes they stay awake during them, but you know, I think it was Steven Spielberg who said that, you know, the delicate balance between mentorship is not creating someone like you, but giving them the opportunity to create themselves. And I think that that's what we do. We try to find, you know, someone to, to, to look up to. I know that within, within CBA, you know, the owner, Jason Simmons, has taught me quite a bit about how businesses run, quite a bit about, you know, uh, not panicking when, when, things, when things happen. I think back to, you know, when, when, when COVID first hit and we were just, you know, like, you know, what do we do? And we all just sat down as a team and, pulled out the tequila later on, but, you know, it just really had a, uh, a, a real moment and had a real talk and made a plan for the things that we want to do and then looked for resources on how we can accomplish where we are, how we can take, 
you know, clinicians, for example, that have all been in person consulting and homes and programs and schools and how to go to telehealth. And you know what? They, they killed it. They're still killing it. They're doing an amazing job making that transition. And they have leaders within the organization that help facilitate that. Uh, supervisors that, that are becoming more mentor than supervisor, more cheerleader, more how are you today and not let's look at your plan. And that is huge. And I really like to see more mentors being created um, because that's what we all need. All right, so uh, I wanna make, there's two questions that are somewhat related and I'm guessing there's going to be people that are you know, in charge of an organization or at some higher level in organizations that are gonna listen to this. Uh, and I think these might be helpful for us to discuss. So the first one is insurance companies do not pay for mentoring. Uh, they don't pay for quality supervision. How does your organization provide um, the support when it's not typically funded by insurance companies? And I think lots of organizations probably find themselves in the situations where they want to provide more training and supervision and mentorship um, than what they can actually pay for in terms of insurance reimbursement. So how do you grapple with that problem or challenge? Within our particular organization, we have a system. Uh, we make it very systematic in the sense that uh, every individual that is being mentored or let's say uh, within, we have a three-tier system. So like, let's say that middle-tier system might be earning hours, right? So what we do is those individuals within that middle-tier system are responsible for showing up to like a two-and-a-half to three-hour meeting on a week-to-week -week basis. During the, this time, we have a, a program that's structured that teaches um, uh, specific skills on a week-to-week -week basis and oversees their overall performance like on like administrative tasks and some um, like clinical tasks. Um, so that touch point on, of a week-to-week -week basis re is really healthy. In the sense, it's kind of like lecture style for a period of time that allows them to discuss certain things that are going on in their caseload or just ask questions. So there's that aspect of it. And then, the, and, and then that kind of goes under what we call um, um, uh, administrative time. So we allot for that. And then um, each mentee also meets on a week to week basis with their, with their BCBA, their BCBA, supervising BCBA, um, to make sure that they're appropriately supported with, uh, with, with cases um, and with whatever the clinical work might be for, for that week or that month. Um, and just depending on funding sources, some funding sources allow for indirect work, some, some don't. So just, it, it's kind of organized around that. Um, and, and, and just making individual kind of situations with regard to like caseloads, make sure that people aren't being asked to overbill in the sense that there's only so much, you know, clinically recommended hours that you can do, like to say, for example, in a week. So that even furthermore, like the structure is such that you have, let's say like 25 clinically recommended hours. We didn't even call them billing hours. We call them clinically recommended hours because it's like the perspective that's taken when you're saying that is a whole, is very different. And then there's about 15 hours of like admin work that's, that's, uh, that encompasses, you know, being able to engage in all of the clinical work, um, that might fall outside of that billing time. So putting that, that system together in that way has really allowed people to, um, to the, the, the time that they need um, with regard to general skills, right? That, that Tuesday skills lab that we call it, it's called skills lab. And then the, the, meet, the, the week to week meeting with their BCBA that really uh, gets down to the nitty gritty case specifics. 
Um, and as a result of that, then we're able to, to, you know, we're able to build a whole lot of individuals uh, and their skills and be able to see them out. Um, so I think, and with regard to receiving mentoring, let's say you're in a three-tiered system, I think you should, uh, you know, it should raise like some, some level of a red flag if someone's asking you to do like a 40-hour, what we call clinically recommended, whatever this might call billing hours, like a 40-hour week of billing. Like that's like a real red flag. It's almost, you know, it's almost impossible to do that and also be able to get appropriate um, supervision and guidance within, within that kind of system. That sounds like a wonderful system. Steve, Sharon, do you have any anything to add or anything that you might do differently without giving trade secrets away? Well, I, I definitely feel like this is more of the, the business guy's uh, question than the, the clinical girl's question. But um, so let me preface this with I do not control the dollars and, you know, who's getting paid what and all of that stuff. But I will say as an organization, you, you've got to find the value in what you're doing and that value is going to produce results. Right. So if there, there has to be a level of investment and yes, there is the, the billable or the paid or all of that part but at some point, there has to be a, a, a sum of a sacrifice of investing in your staff and investing in your company or your team, uh, trying to provide what you can, obviously, within reason, um, because that's going to continue, you know, main, maintenance of staff or, or reducing that turnover. It's going to continue increased clinical quality. It's going to, you know, take, take your team to whole new levels because at the end of the day, this is all about services, right? This is all about, we're in this field to produce tangible results within it from our services. And, Sometimes that takes a little extra coaching. Sometimes that takes a little extra uh, planning and, and guidance and mentorship or, or supervision or whatever the word is you want to use there um, that doesn't fall in that reimbursable rate. And that's not an easy business decision. And I'm not going to pretend that that is. Um, again, I, that's, you know, my, mine is more of the clinical program component. Um, but I can say the organization we work in or that I'm within is the, the value there, the value of what, if I invest in the employees, what does that do for the clients that we serve? Um, and so sometimes that, that becomes a, a give and take and a balance. Um, it's not always a one-to-one -one ratio of what I provide and what I'm getting paid back for. And, and to that point, let me add to that is that if you don't provide adequate, and I think there's a question in the in the in the um, in the bank right now. Well, if you don't provide quality um, uh, supervision or mentoring, then there's there definitely is a relationship with low quality uh, mentoring and and turnover. And turnover, you know, has its own associated cost. It has uh, financial costs, but then it also has those clinical costs. And so you, so the consideration is, let's say I'm a business owner and I'm looking for long term. You know, my best bet is to make sure that th that this 
children are receiving um, good services. And I can do that through mentoring because ultimately um, I'm not looking for how much I can, how much money I can make this quarter or the next two quarters or the next three quarters. It's more so building a system or a business that is stable over time so that money can be made over time. Because ultimately um, I think we all have to face it. There's a business aspect of it and people want, people do jump into the business to make money and that's fine within you know certain parameters that offer the respect to the human side of all of this which is the delivery of services which is the children that are receiving the services and the individuals uh receiving the mentoring so and i was glad that sharon answered the question because you know when it comes down to it looking at it from a financial standpoint you know which is which is something to consider whenever i go to to the owner and say hey we want to do this event, or we want to look to provide more oversight. Um, the answer I get is do what's best and do what's best for the clinicians, do what's best for the clients. And so we, we do provide a lot of administrative hours and support and uh, things like that. And it's not all billable. And in fact, very little of it is billable. And we're fortunate to have really great people that take this serious uh, and uh, supervisors that take it serious to where when they're with their supervisee, they are, they're hammering out some, some really great um, uh, ideas, uh, treatment, um, uh, treatment ideas in, in addition to just life ideas. Um, you know, again, being able to just connect and be human with someone is not, not something that we're, we're billable, but something that we, we champion. We, we want that. We, we expect that type of, connection that's how we model it try to have a good time we try to you know be be real with one another and really the even though it's not reimbursable going back to Daniel's point like you want to look at it just from a business perspective you know turnover and trainings and and then dealing with someone who uh, you know might not be the, the the greatest of supervisor employees and you've put a lot of effort and time into it in the end when you can say I've put everything I have into this person and maybe they, they're not right for the position or the right person, wrong position or, or however you see it, you're, you at least know that you've given everything you can and it's not just a billable service. And so the, the creating that allows for um, consistency within the organization, which increases referrals, which increases quality, which increases outcomes, so on, so on, so forth. Um, you know, we, we tend to snowball with that, but that's a, that's a really great question, especially for smaller agencies. And I think that it's, um, it's important to focus on that first. The, the other piece I would just throw into that, because actually listening to Steve and Daniel both talking, I think we've kind of brought ourselves back to full circle of that whole umbrella and you have a bigger impact when you are mentoring, supervising, leading, whatever the word is that you choose. Um, so here, not only is your organization looking at the value of that and what the long-term effects are, but then you start building your team, right? So you start bringing all the other people in who have that same passion and that same philosophy that they may not necessarily sit and look at you and go, well, what, what's the reimbursable rate on this? They say, yeah, I want to do it because I believe in this as well. This is a part of my value system as well. And I want to help grow the people around me and help guide. So you you have those core values of, as an organization and then you build the team and have the right people in that place to do it so we can we can find the people that have their passion you know the passion can unlock the prosperity 
which can, you know, pass on, pass on bringing out the best in someone, which leads to their greatness, which then can lead to, you know, the or better organizational outcomes. And more importantly, again, kids, adults, so, you know, we, you know, Sharon mentioned that we provide services in a, in a multitude of areas and we're, we're always looking to do what's best. We have the, we have open communication. We have, you know, weekly contact with, with everyone. And that's just our supervision piece. Mentorship, we, we encourage uh, folks to talk. We encourage them to reach out to, to us or to anyone else. Like, again, that's just within their field. When they bring up, you know, do you know this person? Do you have contact for that? It's, you know, sure, we can put you in contact with them because you're reading their stuff or you're finding that, again, they have, they're, you're like-minded. Go out and talk to them. And it's always um, been beneficial for the organization, even though, again, not always billable. All right. Um, I think this will probably be the final question. We can't get that to them all today. Uh, and I want to be pausing it of your time and everyone else's time. Um, I see frequent posts that offer mentorship for a fee or a donation. What are the ethics of paid or donation-based mentorship? And that was from uh, attendees' question, not mine. I'll, I'll jump on that real quick. Um, again, going back to it, find the person you connect with. Um, if it's someone that is, you know, doing it in a in a in a paid way, see what it is, see what it is that they offer. It might not just be mentorship from a, um, uh, you know, I have a question about this, or I want to talk about my organization, or how can I help, you know, achieve the goals that I want to achieve. So the personal, uh, the, the mentorship or the supervision might look different and might have the different values. Going back to what everyone has said, get a resume, look to see what they can provide, uh, look at what that, what that looks like, and, and, and go with that. It's the same thing that you would you would look for and if someone is there that's what they want to do and i don't i don't have an issue with it it's whether or not someone wants to utilize it yeah i'm not sure there's anything necessarily in our ethics code um that would prevent that from happening um but I didn't know that it was that common for people to ask for fees or donations for mentorship. So um, the way we approach it within my organization is the, um, uh, the mentorship or the supervision is offered within the organization from the organization. So I have had instances where a, an individual has, um, we've had conversations in the area of them possibly charging a, a, a fee in addition to what uh, they're already doing. However, if the supervision is embedded within the job, then there is no real need for that um, because they're already kind of getting paid for it. Uh, so I think if it falls within the job description, I think, you know, that's good within an organization. Uh, that's a great way to approach it. So I think there should be some kind of consideration there. Like if you're an employee at an organization and someone's asking you to pay them a nominal fee in it, within that organization for the supervision during the time that you're there, I think there, is, there are ethical issues there, right? And, you know, that's good, something you're going to have to figure out with HR, with your supervisor, and with your organization. 
with respect to people charging, um, people online charging a fee, I think uh, there has to be some discretion on our side as VCBAs as far as how much we are going to charge. And that should be a function of experience. And again, the resume or the CV or, you know, whatever the case might be, if I'm, let's say, if I want, let's say, for example, uh, some supervision, if I'm a mentee or if I'm a person that's looking for supervision, uh, and I, let's say, I approach you, Joe, or, or Justin for supervision, and you guys say, hey, you know, we're, we're, I can supervise you, right? And I'm going to charge you, I don't know, $200 an hour. Well, hey, you know what? That might be appropriate, right? But, like, let's say if I, if I just meet a, a person that was certified yesterday, right, and, you know, and they've been in the field for two years, and no disrespect to that person. It's just kind of market value or just value with res- as a function of, like, your resume and your skill set and, you know, what you have to show for it. Um, and that person's asking for $200. Well, that's a different situation. So I think considerations need to be, be made along those lines with, res- with respect to supervision. As far as, like, what the costs are, I think um, that individual is going to have to make that decision on their own. But just purely billing for the supervision you know what it's a very it's very invested it's not something that someone can do passively um and you're going to essentially get what you what you pay for you know um and if you're paying maybe someone i've heard people charging like 40 maybe 50 dollars an hour um for that they're going to prepare before they even see you so it's fair it's fair to pay them for what they are doing right and I know we're low on time, so the only thing I'll, I completely agree with what's being said. Um, the other thing, what I would have asked is, what are we talking about in this mentorship? Are we talking about supervision? Are we talking about mentor guidance? You know, there's so many things that can fall under that. So, yes, if it, if it is tangible work and supervision hours and all the things, absolutely. If you're looking at a, a connection with someone who has been in the field that you like their work and you're mentoring and guiding along the way, um, you know, those, those are different type of uh could be different components, I guess I would say. I, I just, you know, I know we're wrapping up, I kind of leave with this. There's lots of books on, on mentorship that you can read. Again, you can, uh, and leadership outside of our field. Um, there's, there's movies you can watch that, that uh, on the same thing. My favorite movie series are all the Rockies. If you want to talk about, uh, you know, someone, someone mentoring from the trainer to, to Rocky on down, uh, also a great love story in that. So you watch them all. But the most important thing that I just go to is, you know, something that, you know, Rocky says, and he says, you know, you, you can't learn anything when you're talking. So, you know, it's just the fact of life. If you're wanting to, uh, if you, as long as you're talking, you're not listening. And I think it goes back to making sure that we are listening to the people that are reaching out, that we're listening to people we reach out to, because we do it for a reason. And we do it in a way that's going to, again, help better who we are as people, help better we are as, as clinicians, practitioners, students, whatever role you play. And that's where it starts. And it starts with that. And once you've accomplished that piece, um, and I know that it's tough to not get everything out, um, but ask what you ask and then just put yourself on mute and go from there. Well, I'm glad you used a Rocky quote and not like a Drago 
quote of like, I must break you or, or something like that. Um, so I'm glad you used the, you know, the, the hero in the, in the series. My um, usual, my usual go-to with Rocky is the, the Mick quote, uh, his trainer when he, and he's talking to Rocky and he talks about uh, wanting to uh, not just make him a better boxer, but to be able to take care of himself, not just inside the ring, but outside the ring. Also, I use that a lot. Being from Philadelphia, I guess I'm allowed to use those Rocky quotes, go birds, but uh, it's, it really is inspirational in the fact that, you know, again, we, we sometimes have in our mind the things that we want to do, but hopefully you find a mentor that sees something in you that they can help bring out and help, you know, shape and, and help you help you get to your full potential. And that's the, that's the goal. And once that happens, you might go from talking to your mentor to weekly, monthly to, six months or a year. And I know that, you know, I can reach out to the to people that I've called mentors uh, when I first started. And it would be as if we talked yesterday because that's the relationship you, you, you cultivate with that. So yeah, I, I think it's great. And the mentor will always uh, help you get up because Mickey, because Mickey loves you. So um, with that, you know, thank you three for being here today and being on Rants with Justin and Joe. It was uh, very insightful and much needed. And it was great seeing uh, the three of you, even if it's not in person, it's good seeing you at least virtually. And we look forward to the day when we can all see each other in person. Um, with that, I do have to do a shameless plug before Joe gives the CU information that people have been stopped listening to. On April 16th, we have our sixth annual, I believe, sixth annual conference. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I think, in my opinion, an all-star lineup. Uh, Bridget Taylor is the newest addition, and she will be Presenting Ellie Kazimi, Nora Syed, Amy Gravino, Amanda Kelly, a.k.a. Behavior Babe, Tim Vollmer, and Peter Gerhardt. And so in this uh, all-star lineup, you can get seven CEUs, two ethics CEUs, one supervision CEU, and you see seven great leaders of our field all presenting in one conference. I do wish it was uh, in person, but hopefully in 2022 we will go back to being in person. Uh, Steve was... uh, invited to come in 2021 but he decided to wait for 2022 so that maybe we can you know see him uh live a quick shout out to Stephen wood sorry that i think told you it started at five uh i, I apologize but there's a recording of it so mm-hmm. call us if you need us and yeah it looks else. like that there might have been a mix-up with uh some of the zoom invites and it looks that's probably definitely our fault on our end uh given that this was a new time but uh but the good thing is you can listen to it as a podcast and exactly. hear the same, same information. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, Hey, there you go. You didn't, you might not have missed out. Um, but if it, like always, if you want CEUs for this rant, you can purchase or download your certificate at www.autismpartnershipfoundation.org forward slash podcast. Uh, just throw it in your cart and be ready to answer a, a quiz about the opening and closing words. Uh, the closing word for today is leaders. Uh, and I'll go ahead and throw that in the chat for those who were able to catch this live. We'll see everybody in two weeks, right, Joe? Yeah, two weeks. I think we have Mary Jane Weiss and Tom Zane to talk about the updates to the ethics code. Daniel, uh, Sharon, and Steve, thank you once again for coming on Rants with Justin and... Joe. A little quicker, but (laughs) we'll have Alex. Thank you all. It it was wonderful. Thank you you so much for having us. Have a great day, everybody. See you all. Thank you. Bye.